0: This is Ozarks at Large. The second episode of Undisciplined comes out today. That's our new podcast that we create in collaboration with the University of Arkansas' Department of African and African American Studies. Today, we'll hear an excerpt of a conversation with host Dr. Karee Banton and a Haitian journalist, Obed Lamy. Lamy talks about being proud of his home country and what brought him to Arkansas. Get, get, get. This is Undisciplined. Get. Academic by nature, undisciplined in practice. I am Dr. Karee Banton, Director of African and African-American Studies and Professor of History at the University of Arkansas. The podcast here, we will push the confines of your traditional academic disciplines and like the subjects of its concerns, African and African-American studies, you know, survive under the most terrible of circumstances, but achieve rigor, and become even more robust because of it. And so in this podcast, we will unveil how the objectives of African and African-American studies can be found in the everyday, if you'll just look. Now let's get into it. Today, we are joined by Obed Lamy. Obed Lamy is a Fulbright scholar and graduate journalism student at the University of Arkansas. He just received his master's degree in journalism. With a number of years of experience in journalism under his belt, he has published in different news outlets in his home country in Haiti as well, in the international media in Canada and the United States. And he co-founded a multimedia platform dedicated to civic education and practical information on the public process. He's a first-time filmmaker. Obed has made a short documentary called A Promising Voice that was selected into three film festivals and was a winner of the Audience Award for Student Film at Filmland in 2020. And I had the pleasure of recently working on a documentary with Obed that commemorated the lynching of three African-Americans here in Washington County. Obed, thank you for pulling up. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Dr. The- Benton for the invitation and thank you to my friend Warrington and it's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Tell us about growing up in Haiti. How was that like? Do you like mangoes?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been 29 years. I'm 29, so um, <laughs> my whole life is Haiti. So I grew up in a small town called Petit Guave. Whenever I'm introducing myself, I always say where I am from in Haiti because I have so much of this hometown in me, and so much of me also is in this hometown. Um, my dad has been working as a public school teacher for more than 30 years now. My mom has been stay-at-home mom. So growing up with my dad being a teacher and my mom taking care of us really taught me uh, a sense of community. For example, my dad, every summer, he would do an uh, after-class program or summer camp for all the kids in my neighborhood. He would feed them. So that's something that always stay with me. And that's why also I like to be with people. We didn't talk too much about politics, but I can say... The best history lessons I've learned uh, about Haiti was from my mom. So because my dad was a teacher, he was working in another town, so he spent the whole week outside. And every night, my mom would tell us the story of her her childhood, where she grew up. And also, she was sharing with us the moments um, she lived when the country was under dictatorship with the d Valley. So we don't necessarily see or read those stories in book. They don't teach them right now in the country. Maybe, I don't really? know why. But my mom would always explain us what it was like, what it looked like to be in Haiti during that time.
0: Describe for us your journey to Arkansas. What brought you here?
1: Journalism. <laughs> um, so, yes, the story of me being in Arkansas is also the story of me becoming a journalist. Journalism was not in my mind going up. And actually, when I was maybe 12, one of the most prominent journalists in the country was also in my hometown. He was killed. Because being a journalist in my country has always been risky. Dangerous. dangerous. So... I was young, but I still have in mind the atmosphere, the climate in that hometown, because that was a time when there were a lot of political crises. So you couldn't go to school. You have to hide yourself. You couldn't wear uniform. So
0: Why, why couldn't you go to school? Why did you because have to Because there was a
1: lot of violence. Gang, usually, politician leaders in my country, they are always associated with gangs to maintain their power and also fear. I mean, fear is... The strategy that most of the politicians in my country used to not lead, maybe, to run the country because there is a lot of conflicts. And it seems like, in their mind, having all the power and exposing the population into this scary situation helped them maintain their power. So we've, I've experienced that um, being a young boy in my hometown. So, yes, at that time, that young boy, I was had no clue he would become a journalist. But I guess I... Decided to be a journalist when I went to college, not to study journalism, social communication and business management. But I don't like business. I don't like to be in a corporate world. I I like to meet people. So I started to write for my blog and then I was receive a call from a news outlet and I started to write news stories every day and I became a journalist. So I came to Arkansas in 2019 because I have this scholarship from the US government. So shout out to all my American friends because they pay for me. I got that scholarship, the Fulbright scholarship, but the plan was not to come to Arkansas, not at all. I was supposed to go to, at first, study English in Missouri. Again, at that time, there was big protests in my country, everything shut down. The U.S. embassy could not open to proceed with the visa, and they had to postpone. They found this English program associated with the University of Arkansas. I spent a couple months and realized people are nice. They talk to you on the street and it's a nice place to stay. And I decided to stay here. But actually, even right now, when I talk to my friends friends in the United States and back home... I say, I'm in Arkansas. Where is that? They don't know Arkansas too much. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Arkansas? Yeah, they they don't know. So I have to explain. This is a state close to Texas, uh, Missouri. I have to explain
0: to my Caribbean friends too that there's Kansas and then there is Arkansas. Arkansas, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the thing about America is that they usually think about Haiti through its traumas. So whether it's through the Papa Doc and Baby Doc, uh, or through the earthquake, or through the current crisis. How do you all think about those experiences, those traumatic experiences? How did you live through those experiences?
1: It seems like they have, for us as Haitian people, they have become part of life. But we don't necessarily talk about them or meditate about them. You would see they always call Haitian people resilient. Even that can be negative, but it seems like we have built our own way of survival against those natural forces and also against this political crisis. It's true that you see each time other people and many people in America have to talk about Haiti, it all starts with
0: some disaster. Some the disaster. Other.
1: And it's not just in the media. It's everywhere. I, last year during COVID in the summer, I was on Dixon Street filming something and there is this group of homeless people and I started to talk to them they asked me where I'm from I am I said I'm from Haiti oh yeah Haiti I know that violence and blah 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 and I listened to them and after I was like yeah that is true but do you know number of people are killed every day in Chicago and he was like oh yeah that is true so violence is not made in Haiti violence is everywhere if you want to see Haiti to those situations, you might be right, but it's not just in Haiti, it's everywhere. And know?
0: it's quite interesting that it's, you know, in the same way that they tend to demonize Haiti or look at it through this some kind of a pathological violence, the same way people tend to look at Chicago, right, as this kind of black place that is mm-hmm. dominated by violence. Yes. You know, so... I think for people hate represents blackness or the blackest mm-hmm. blackness in the western hemisphere yes. and for them blackness equals violence you e- know exactly. and chicago in the American imagination is that black space as well. Mm-hmm. And therefore that equals violence. Yeah. Nobody tend to think about the context.
1: Exactly. And I yeah. think maybe as a journalist, I think the media has played a big Huge role drone. in terms of framing Haiti or framing some places in America this way, showing just violence. Actually, there is in Haiti, one of the best jazz festival around the world. Every year in January, they would bring the best jazz musician from Germany, from the United States from everywhere, you don't see international media talk about those things. I'm not obsessed about sharing you know positive image about Haiti because I'm a journalist. I live there. I want to share the experience of the people dealing with problems, so mm-hmm. maybe the government or other leader can solve those problems. But I don't think, as you were talking with Rarrington before, I don't think each time you have to write a story about Haiti, hey, it adds nothing to your story, because yes, we know that, and if you want to talk about the assassination of the president, that has nothing to do being the poorest country, exactly. because actually, a U.S. president has been assassinated too, <laughs> so you can talk about the facts and not necessarily using this stereotypical language to talk about Haiti. I
0: totally agree with you. Brian
1: Stevens will say we are all more than the worst thing that we've ever done or the worst thing that's ever happened to us. Yeah,
0: but it's indicting the humanity of Haitians, right, by flattening their story to this one thing when, as we discussed earlier, there are many different stories. I remember I can't wait to go to Haiti because I saw this picture of this beach and all these people were having like breakfast in the water mm-hmm. and it was like the most beautiful but Americans don't get to see those kinds of images in the same way, you know, they have these stereotypical images of Africa as well where it's animals and sports starving children and disasters. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think Africa, um, Haiti represents Africa in the West.
1: And I do feel like there is, just to add something, there is also although I mentioned that media has played a big role in terms of framing Haiti that way, but also that I also think there is a pers- Personal responsibility, Not for every single person, but I was curious and surprised uh, when I was working on my master's thesis. Somebody had to review the paper for me, and I talk about the Haitian Revolution, the first black nation to be free, and that person is also a grad student saying, oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I get that. But we in Haiti, we study so much about the U.S. history. We memorize the first man to go to the moon. The first black nation to be free is something that you can't miss. I get that you can be a high schooler. You don't know that. But if you are a grad student, I don't expect you to know everything about Haiti. But I mean, the first black, I don't know how you can miss that.
0: As Warren said, I mean, if the American system loved to hold itself up as this driver of liberty and democracy, how? How can you not celebrate the first country to to, to create
1: to democracy? To not to not, not only freedom and actually, the, I know you know that very very well. We had a conversation about that. Haitian revolution revolution was not just about Haitian people or black people. The leaders said that any person who believes in freedom, you have a place in Haiti, no matter your color. Okay. And Haitian soldiers or leaders also helped different country in Latin America. Yeah, Colombia. Colombia, Venezuela, yes. for Simon example. Simón Bolívar
0: came to Haitian Haiti. Haitian soldiers
1: also fought during the Revolution War in America, in Savannah. We are the m- most selfishless.
0: I'm selfless. Selfless. <laughs> you
1: selfless nation in yeah. the world, so...
0: Banton and her guest, Obed Lamy, from the second episode of the podcast, Undisciplined. You can subscribe for free so you never miss a new episode. There is a new one every other Wednesday, and you can check out the rest of that conversation following today's Ozarks at Large. Undisciplined is available wherever you get podcasts, and it's produced by Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore.